Welcome to the Different Functional Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to use some RPG-style gaming action to help shift the perspective that surrounds neurodivergent quirks, traits, and foibles. Instead of seeing them as disadvantages and symptoms, we're going to look at them through the lens of being skills and powers. I am Autumn, the older sister, and in acknowledgement of our RPG theme today, and for those of you that don't know, RPG stands for Role Play game. And this is most typically associated with things such as Dungeons and Dragons or World of Warcraft. So to keep with that theme, my fact of the day, I am going to give you my D&D alignment. And I would say that my D&D alignment is probably lawful neutral. I, I'm pretty obedient to authority. I compulsively obey people and people please horribly, but I'm not really good or evil. I feel like I'm pretty balanced, which is kind of sad because honestly, I would love to be like chaotic evil, just kind of like a super villain with a cat and like, I don't know, a room of sharks, but I'm not there yet. It is possible that someday you will have a room full of sharks. I have faith in you. I think it could happen. Uh, I am Ivy, the younger sister. And just as a disclaimer here at the top, Autumn and I are not really RPG people as a rule. Uh, we we have a loose understanding of what it is. So for those of you who legitimately play RPG games, we apologize in advance. We're probably going to get some things horribly wrong, but we're trying, damn it. All right. As far as my alignment, I'm going to say that I would be chaotic neutral. I think as a child, I was probably chaotic good. had like this strong sense of what was good and right and wanted to save the world with my free-spirited little ways. Now as an adult, I see much more gray area in the world. Really hard for me to be chaotic good when I'm like, but what is good? You know what? I don't even know if I care anymore. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm just chaotic neutral. I'm just like, I, I believe in personal freedoms. Mostly want to defend mine. Don't want to be responsible for other human beings or for determining what rules should be followed and what should not be followed. Just kind of, I don't know, live on the outskirts and edge of everything. That's kind of how I roll. That sounds like such an awesome way to roll. I want to get to the chaotic side. I'm not there. I'm slowly progressing, but I'm definitely not there that. When you and I were talking about this and we were looking at the resource that we looked up and Ivy was like, well, maybe I'm chaotic good. And I was looking at what they said is good, evil, and neutral. And it said that people who are neutral with respect to good and evil have compunctions against killing the innocent, but lack the commitment to make sacrifices to protect others. And I'm like, no, Ivy's neutral. I love you, Ivy, but you're definitely neutral. <laughs> no. That is fair. Uh, there there used to be a lot more gung-ho idealism in me and optimism. I have become somewhat jaded and cynical as I've gotten older. I am not evil or anything like that, nor do I have a desire to be evil. I just kind of want to like, I don't know, find the middle road, chill somewhere in the middle. And I don't want to be responsible for other people. I think that's one of the biggest things puts me in like that neutral territory. Zero desire to have responsibility over other human beings. Like I won't even have a supervisory position at any job. I certainly don't want to be, I don't know, responsible for the survival and moral compass of other human beings. It's not really my thing anymore. 
That's that's fair. I would say that's a little bit of that pervasive demand avoidance popping up that both you and I have. So let's let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. And this was actually birthed from a listener suggested topic. And what the listener suggested was how to deal with uncomfortably long talkers when you just want them to shut up and go away. And Ivy and I realized as we were kind of talking about this and how do we make an episode or how do we incorporate this into an episode was that many of us people who are neurodivergent, whether you're 80 ADHD, you're autistic, or you've got PTSD or bipolar or any of these kind of neurodivergent diagnosis, most of us, we know how to do this anyways, because we're really good at dead ending conversations. Intentional or not, we dead end them a lot, which for Ivy and I just underscored the point that our neurodivergent quirks and traits can actually be useful. And unfortunately, I think too many neurodivergent people don't fully realize this. We we learn more about how unhealthy masking is, and we hear more and more frequently people talking about unmasking. But the context of these discussions, it's always the idea that we're hiding something shameful and that we have to learn to expose our disfigurements to the world. And so if we're taking off the mask. It's like the Phantom of the Opera and it's we're all disfigured and horrible and we're like, oh, world, accept me anyway. And I don't think that's accurate at all. I think that the mask is just hiding some really awesome skills and traits. I think our neurodivergent quirks, foibles, and quote unquote symptoms a lot of times are just specialized skills. So why not learn to wield some of these skills to our advantage? I am totally on board with that. And maybe that's part of the chaotic neutral in me. All about those personal freedoms. Just be who you are. It's cool. I mean, I'm not going to say that society is cool with it, though. I'm cool with it. But society probably doesn't see these things as skills. And they're not really society-approved traits overall. But you know what? We've been playing by the world's rules this whole time. Our whole lives, we have been taught to play by society's rules. And just, you know, get along with everybody else in civilization. But I don't, I don't know. Is that really the answer? I say, let's take the masks off. Let's embrace our, our superpowers and see what kind of world we can create. Just because society has created these rules doesn't make them good. Doesn't mean that they're efficient or helpful in any sort of way. Maybe we can flip the script just to try it, just to see if it works. So that's what I say. Let's take the masks off. And now I completely understand that some of these masks are necessary for survival. There are certain instances when you do have to utilize them. In my profession as a massage therapist, when I'm working with new clients, I refer to this as like my flight attendant persona, where I just keep to the small talk and I'm very pleasant and polite and I shake hands and I make eye contact and I do all these things that are not natural for me and that I generally don't do once I get used to those clients and they get used to me. But I do understand that there are times when it's necessary for us to wear those masks and follow those social scripts. But it's not always necessary. And we just kind of get stuck in this mode of following these rules and masking because we've gotten so used to it. We're, we've been told that we should because, well, you don't want to rock the boat, right? But why are we investing all of our valuable resources to play some part for some random dude at the grocery store that we're probably never going to see again and probably don't even want to see again? So while Autumn and I were trying to think of a way to outline this episode and help us shift our perspective of these things from symptoms to superpowers, we were kind of talking about, okay, how do we represent that? How do we put that in an audio format that is fun and playful and it's not just dry and, you know, boring? So we kind of thought of the idea of 
trying to frame it as an RPG game. Now, most people obviously associate RPG with like D&D and Vampire the Masquerade and video games like World of Warcraft, stuff like that, or maybe even the card games like Munchkin, which I personally love and Autumn does too. With those things in mind, we thought, all right, what if we took that general concept and distilled it down to its simplest principles? So basically you are encountering a boss or a monster. And then instead of masking, what if we use our superpowers and create our own personal character and combine that with the randomness of a die roll to fight these monsters? So in our game, the bosses, the monsters, they really are just people that we socialize with on a regular basis. They're people that we have to interact with either through work or just casual people that we meet at the grocery store or people that we have to interact with for business purposes, whatever. But instead of wearing those masks and having our flight attendant personas, what if we just fully dive in? What if we just are who we are and we play as that character? What if we just play as ourselves and fully dive into our own story and see what we can do with our little neurodivergent quirks? What would actually happen if we made use of our superpowers? I think it's worth a shot. I don't know, just a thought. Well, I'm hoping it will at least be interesting for our podcast, if not also interesting for real life, if you decide to take this on the road, so to speak. So for today's episode, we're going to basically play this concept out that Ivy's talking about as a game. We will announce the boss we have to fight or the person we have to socialize. And then as our neurodivergent powers can be wielded both to foster and end relationships, we will then have to decide if we want to forge a bond with the person or burn the bridge of that potential relationship. Then we will choose one of the neurodivergent quirks that we personally have that we're going to try to use to either forge that bond or burn that bridge. And then lastly, we're going to roll a die to see if we succeed or fail. An odd number rolled equals success. An even number rolled equals failure. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with this. The first boss, the first person that we're going to have to socialize with today is an NPC. And for those non-gamers out there, NPC stands for, I believe, what is it, Ivy? Non-player character? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it, I told you guys. We are, Autumn and I are not RPG players. We're, we're roughing it today. We're doing the best that we can. We thought this would be fun. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we completely butcher this concept. Okay. But we, we do like the idea of the, the NPC because while I don't play games, I watch my boyfriend play games. And in the video games, an NPC is this random person. You're walking around the village and the NPC comes up to you and starts talking to you about how some random dragon kidnapped his wife and his kids need wheat or some random stuff so that you can go out on a quest. But the reality is, is... I feel like we actually encounter NPCs on a regular basis where you're just standing around in a store and some rando person is just like, hey, I'm going to start talking to you. Uh, luckily for me, I don't get these conversations that much, but my boyfriend is a magnet for them. So, you know, a prime example of this, he's in a thrift store reading a book because he's wanting to see if he's going to buy it completely engrossed, not focus on any other person. A random person shopping in there comes up to my boyfriend and starts telling him about a waffle burn she received from a waffle iron she had previously purchased from this thrift store. And he's just like, oh, OK. I mean, what do you do with that? But this happens. So our first person that we're socializing with today is an NPC, a rando person that's just going to come up to you with no invitation 
and just start sharing personal details with you. You know, Calvin gets those people a lot too, although he gets really weird ones. Like people just come up to him out of nowhere. He'll be at a gas station and somebody will come up to him and start ranting to him about how their girlfriend is in cahoots with the government and it's a huge conspiracy against them. I don't know why he attracts those NPCs specifically, but he is a magnet for those ones. And his go-to response every single time is just, oh man, that's crazy. It doesn't matter what they say. It's just, ah, oh, that's crazy. And then he just goes on with his life. He doesn't get freaked out. He doesn't get enthusiastic. He's just like, yeah, that's crazy, man. And then he just pays for his gas and that's that. And then he leaves and he doesn't think about it ever again. I don't deal with these NPCs very often, uh, but when I do, I am always aiming to burn the bridge. I, I don't want to forge you know, friendships or closer relationships with those people. So in, in this instance, when this boss comes up, I'm, I'm definitely burning the bridge. What about you, Autumn? Are you going to burn or are you going to forge? I definitely want to burn that bridge as well, because people that are willing to just come up and talk to me out of nowhere, I honestly have a huge fear of their stability <laughs> because I am so constantly concerned with safety. Anybody that just randomly talks to me for no reason is considered a threat. So I am I'm going to try to burn that bridge. Yeah, definitely burning the bridge. I think I think I'm going to pull out for my neurodivergent trait, my neurodivergent power here that I am going to use to burn that bridge. I'm going to try some one-upmanship. Us autistic people, we are always accused of trying to one-up people. So you know what? I'm embracing that and I'm going to one-up it. So when when Miss Waffle Iron Burn comes to me and's like, oh my God, I burnt myself on the waffle iron. I'm going to one-up her Deadpool style. And I'm going to be like, well, at least you have a hand to burn. I got mine clean cut off by a waffle iron. So that's, that's what I'm going with, one-upmanship to burn that bridge. I like it. I am going to go super true to form and do what I would actually do in real life. And that is inappropriate laughter. Just whatever they say, I'm just going to find it funny. I'm just going to look at them and smile and laugh and then probably just turn around and walk away. But I'm going to laugh first because I want them to think about that for a while. Especially if it's like the waffle iron thing or if it's some dude who thinks his girlfriend is in cahoots with the government. I'm hoping they're coming at me with something that's negative enough that that inappropriate laughter is really going to resonate and reverberate inside them. Okay. All right. Maybe I've got a little bit of chaotic evil in me. It's not, there's, there's not a ton. I swear I'm not going to be this mean all the time. I just, I, I don't know. I just feel like if I, if I laugh in that instance, they may not be as likely to approach some other random stranger like Calvin and tell them about their girlfriend. Maybe I can protect my boyfriend from these people if I just kind of laugh at them. Maybe they'll just internalize it then. Be like, oh, she's in cahoots with the government too. I guess everybody's in cahoots with the government. It's all a conspiracy against me. Then they, then they won't harass anybody else. I don't know. I'm just saying. See, I'm doing good. I'm doing good deeds. Shall we roll? Yes. yes okay. I, I, so I'm going to go. I'm going to roll first. So we're socializing with the NPC. I'm going to try to burn the bridge with one umbenship. I have rolled the dice. I have gotten a two. Okay, so this is no good. My one-upmanship has backfired, and I have unfortunately forged a bond with this waffle iron person. And because I lied about missing my <laughs> hand, now every time I interact with them, I'm going to have to probably hide my hand or pretend to not have one. So this this is awkward. This is not good. This blew up in my face. All right, well, let's see what happens, because if I fail in mine, this is going to be a real bad one. I do not have a dice. I, I did 
I have no idea where it went. It has disappeared into, I don't know, a random closet or something. I have no idea where it is and I couldn't find it. So I'm using a virtual dice roller, but in post-production, I will put in the sound of an actual rolled dice because I, I feel like that's important to the experience. Let's see. I got a five, so I succeeded. They are going to have an existential crisis now and never talk to anybody again about the, the massive government conspiracy against them. See, I did a good deed. I have saved. You know, that was really because I was kind of worried because that's a risky one. Because when you go into NPC with inappropriate laughter, you could get one of those NPCs that now thinks you're flirting with them. So you were very lucky in that instance. I just want to throw that out. Oh, see, and my mind went a different direction because I, I was thinking, like, if I fail... They're definitely going to think I'm a government agent and they're going to attack me <laughs> and I'm going to have to fight this dude off. <laughs> All right. So I think that says a lot about me. That I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking more and more chaotic evil, Ivy. I'm just saying. Put that out there. Hey, it's, it's only... This is only the first boss. We're, we're just getting started. I'm still convinced I'm chaotic neutral. I may feel differently by the end of this game. Let's see what, let's see what happens. Let's move on to the, the next one. Forced children. And I don't mean like children in slavery. Uh, this, is, this is not me being chaotic evil again. I'm talking about like forced interactions with children. Like you go to a friend's house and there's like kids there. And then like you have to interact with them because children are people too. And you can't just completely ignore them or, or i mean you could try but they'll probably try to make sure that you don't ignore them because children like attention i just want to say like with that forced children thing like i don't ignoring them does not work it does not work because there was this um five-year-old that lived next door to me i don't know he's five he was little he was shorter than me he's five he could have been 10 he could have been two i have no idea so he was next door to me and he was in his backyard and i'd come out in the backyard to let the dogs out and the entire time i'm out there he'd be like hey hey neighbor hey what are you doing do you like my truck what do you do it and i'm like out there 30 minutes the entire time he's talking to me and i am not like making eye contact i'm pretending he doesn't exist so some of these forced children yeah there's no ignoring them they are going to be up in your business and unless you flee the scene and sometimes even them because those little tykes they can run pretty fast and they have a lot more energy than we do as old <laughs> people i'm just saying so some of these forced children you can't even flee they will they will chase you down they will chase you down it's true. They will. And they'll think you're running intentionally as part of a game. So <laughs> there's there's really no way to avoid children, I don't think. Not entirely. I mean, they are generally easier to deal with than adults, though. I will give them that. They may terrify me, but they are ultimately easier to deal with than adults. Right. Okay. So, so for me, I think I'm going to actually forge that bond because the time I encounter forced children most often is when I get dragged to a party or a gathering I do not want to be at. And I will say it's easier for me to interact with the kids than the adults. Because like you said, they're, they're easier on some level. And so I'm going to go with learned mirroring. That masking that I've been doing all my life. And so I learn how to like copy other people so they like me and accept me. I'm going to use that with the kid. Whatever the kid's talking about, we're talking about. Is it Naruto? Well, let's talk about Naruto. I love anime. Let's do this. If, is it Legos? Fuck yeah, let's build some shit. Let's do this. So I'm going to go with learn mirroring and I'm going to try to forge that bond in hopes that they will sit me at the kids table so I do not have to talk to the adults. This is my hope in life. I like your approach. I'm still going to try to burn the bridge, though, because children terrify me. Adults terrify me, too. Like all human interaction, basically. So I'm, I'm going to try to burn the bridge and I am going to use obsessive cleanliness because I feel like most little kids are just 
agents of chaos and their space is always just dirty and cluttered and there's toys and things everywhere, just piles of things. So I'm going to attempt to burn that bridge by trying to uh, convince them that we should clean, that, that I can't. I can't play with them because it's too dirty in here. And we, we've we've got to clean this space. And I'm just really going to focus in on that. And every time they try to redirect, I'm going to be like, nope, we got to clean. I can't play with you until we clean. It's too much for me. I, I can't play with you. We have to clean this. And then just hope that they'll wander off. I mean, either way, if, if they find that fun and they decide to clean with me, it's still not really me losing. I feel like I win either way. Because if they clean with me, then... I have an activity to do with the kid, and it's one that I'm comfortable doing because I am an obsessively clean person. So, I don't know. I feel like win or, win or lose, I, I think I'm. I think this is my safest bet. I'm gonna go with hyper cleanliness. Just be obsessive about cleaning and see what the kid does. With I that. feel like I feel like you and I are very different people because when you throw kids into the mix and then you throw cleaning into the mix, I feel like that's mildly possibly hell for me. Maybe just purgatory, but it's definitely not good. <laughs> So I guess it's a win-win either way for you, but I'm I'm concerned about this. So I'll let you roll first this time, Ivy. Okay, let's see. I'm going to roll my fake dice here. Oh, I got a two. All right, so the kid just cleans with me. We, we make it a cleaning party. And then I guess since they played along with my game afterward, I'll play along with whatever their game is when we're done cleaning. Hopefully it's something fun. But even if I don't like it, I'll still do the deed because they did their part. At least I can do is do my part. You've, you've got a new best friend and that new best friend is four years old. I hope you're happy. Well, you know, there are worse things. I'd rather be friends with a four-year-old than most adults. So I'm down for it. It's fine. All right. So I'm going to go. I'm going to try to forge the bond with my learned mirroring. And I have rolled a... Oh, God. It's a horrible roll. It fell on my core. Oh, my gosh. Now it fell off the table. Now I have to go... Okay, this is how bad I am at tabletop games. I just rolled my die off the table. I have to find it. I was about to tell all the listeners about how you like to use an excessive amount of force with everything. <laughs> Putting away dishes, closing doors. So I expect at some point in this game, you're going to throw the dice across the entire room. That's what I'm anticipating. I'm waiting for it. It, it was like six feet away from me for the record. And yes, like the first time I went mini golfing <laughs> with, with a partner of mine, that partner had to climb the fence three different times because I hit the mini golf ball so hard it went over the fence and I wasn't anywhere near it. So yeah, this might happen a lot. We might have to edit out the many times that I have to track my dia across the room. Okay, anyways, if the roll counts on the floor, I picked it up off the floor. It is a one, which means I have forged that bond. I am sitting at the kids table coloring avoiding adult conversation. I am very happy to have used my learned neurodivergent skill. And I do have a new little four-year-old best friend and we are coloring Paw Patrol while eating turkey with our fingers. Cause that's okay at the, the kid's table. Wait, did we, did we make friends with the same four-year-old or are these different four-year-olds? I'm thinking it's a different four-year-old because my four-year-old is eating turkey with Aww. with their uh, their hands. And your four-year-old was very happy to be cleaning. And I'm thinking the four-year-old cleaning is not the four-year-old eating turkey with their hands. But I don't know about four-year-olds. So maybe it is. Maybe it's the same four-year-old. I don't know. Either way, I hope my four-year-old also wants to color Paw Patrol because I like coloring. And if that's the activity that they choose, I would be totally down for that. So so now we have a win. We've got we've got a good bond forged using our neurodivergent skills. So let's see how this continues to unfold. So our next boss that we've got in line here is 
Oh, Ivy, you're not going to like this. This boss, this this socialized person that we're going to have to deal with, they're a hugger. I know how much you love huggers. All right, I'm definitely burning that bridge. I am absolutely 100% burning the shit out of that bridge. It will be catastrophic for me if I do not get this role right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to just try the tactic of complete demand avoidance. Like they're going to come at me with those open arms and I'm just going to back away slowly with my hands up. Not in a hugging fashion, but like, you know, in front of me, kind of like you would show your hands to the cops to let them know that you're not going to like pull a gun out of your pants <laughs> like that. Just like back away slowly. Just, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. Thank you, though. I, I appreciate that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. OK, so for those of you that aren't clear, huggers are obviously those people that just come in to hug you. They don't ask. They just come in, like Ivy said, arms open and they're going to they're going to embrace you. And if you are curious at all about Ivy's takes on huggers, I believe she has has referenced her feelings about these in multiple episodes, so I encourage you to listen to our previous episodes if, if you have any doubts left about how she feels about huggers. I also am not a big fan of huggers. I, I love hugging, but it's got to be on my terms and it needs to be somebody I know. But most huggers, you don't really know them. They just come in and they think that you have this intimate relationship and you really don't. And I don't do well with being touched by people that, that I don't know. I almost, I almost, oh, I almost elbowed this sweet little elderly lady. I think she was like 70 or 80. Nice little old lady. I almost elbowed her in the face because I was up on a milk crate stocking something up in a produce that was like up high and she was trying to get by me and she put her hand on my waist and was like, dearie, I just need to get behind you. Automatic instinct was almost to elbow this sweet woman in the face. I don't like being touched. So I, you know what? I'm going to use some of this excessive hyper exuberance that Ivy talked about that gets dice thrown. I'm going to bear hug it. I am going to make this the biggest, messiest, nastiest, most uncomfortable, awkward hug this hugger has ever experienced. I'm going to hope that for Ivy's sake, I will make this such a horrible experience for them that they will never hug anybody again without consent. That's what I'm going for. Hyper exuberance. It's happening. I like it. Um, I, I, I think this says something about Autumn and I that her, her reaction is more just like go whole hog into it just like way too much and mine is to back away. I, I feel like this is a representation of what also would happen if you took Autumn and I into a haunted house together. I would be trying to watch my surroundings and keep as far away from anything that might potentially jump out at me and Autumn would just punch it in the face. I, <laughs> I feel like it's a perfect representation of who we are as people. <laughs> I feel, I, yeah, sadly, this is true. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and roll my dice. I am hoping to burn that bridge with the hugger and i have rolled oh freak i got a six i have failed i have just now like halfway made out tumbled onto the floor bear hugged this person now every time <laughs> i see them this is what they expect from me oh i chose badly i chose badly all right now you've made me nervous your role has made me nervous for mine because if it's the same person they're gonna come at me even more enthusiastically and i may not be able to get away so let's see what happens Yes, glorious. I got a one. I have dodged that bullet. They feel very awkward. I feel somewhat awkward, but I, I am intentionally making them feel as awkward as possible. I am staring them down with the evil eyes. I back away slowly. It's like, don't, don't do that to people. You just don't do that to people. They will never hug again without consent. 
they will always do consensual hugging from here on out. That is how successful I have been. This was you, a good role. You are wielding your neurodivergent powers for the good of us all. And so I think, you know, when I see this person again, the mask response is, well, that's what this person expects from here forwards. That's what I have to give. So you know what? Screw it. I'm taking the mask off. I learned from Ivy. Next time this person comes in, I'm going with demand avoidance. I'm backing away. I, I'm, I'm going to switch it up. I don't care what they expect. Strip the mask. I don't want this hug. <laughs> I think we I think we have now made this person terrified of physical contact between the two of us. Let's hope so. Because <laughs> at first you were at first you were all in it and then the next time you're like, oh my god, great. Like it's yeah. Yeah, I think we have terrified this person into never touching anybody ever again, which was not really the intention. But come on, you should always ask for consent before you just go hugging people. All right, let's uh, let's move on to our next person that we must socialize with. And this is the one that inspired the episode. And this is that long talker. And if you have been lucky enough to never get involved with a long talker, they're basically able to carry on a conversation for potentially hours, maybe days, who knows, and they don't really need anything from you. You're just in the room and they start talking at you. My my boyfriend, I don't know how he does it. Like, I think he must just phase them out. But we had a long talker on a shift that we shared. And this person would start talking to him at the beginning of this like 10 hour shift. And every time I would randomly see them through the day, that person was still talking to them. And I think during the entire 10 hour shift, my boyfriend had maybe nodded four times and said a total of six words. And this guy managed to carry the conversation. So this is a long talker. Ivy, what are you going to do with the long talker? I mean, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to burn the bridge. <laughs> I always burn the bridge. There are very few times when I will not burn the bridge. <laughs> that is my usual response. Since I can't use demand avoidance again, I just used it. And it would be boring for me to use the same thing again, especially, you know, right on the tail of the other one. I'm going to go with a double threat here. And I'm going to first dissociate and then I will find a way to exit the situation. So I will just sit there for a while and pretend to listen be somewhere else. I don't know, maybe on another planet, but I'll pretend to listen. I'll make eye contact. I'll nod. I'll, I'll do the, hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Oh, I'll, I'll do all that stuff for a little bit. And then I will do my signature move in almost any social situation that gets forced upon me. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Love that sound effect. <laughs> My boyfriend just walked in. It was like perfect timing for that too. With a squeaky ass bathroom You might want to WD-40 that while you're in the bathroom avoiding the long talker. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so I I am definitely going to burn that bridge too. I do not like long talkers. I, I don't like small talk. Call me autistic, call me neurodivergent, but I really only like talking about things that interest me. And most long talkers don't talk about things that interest me. And plus, they're the only one talking. <laughs> so it's not really a good conversation for me. I'm not getting anything out of it. So I definitely want to burn that bridge. I'm going to go with my, yeah, this is pretty much my epitome for any time I want to burn a bridge in a real social situation and that's going to be I'm going to I'm going to dead end this and I usually dead end this by going to some severe childhood trauma that is extremely misplaced for the situation one of my go-tos and this initially unfortunately wasn't an intentional use it was just me trying to relate to the crowd so somebody in a gathering would be all like oh 
I have my dog and look at them. They're so cute. And I didn't have any pets yet. And I was like, oh, I should relate. And I'm like, oh, I know. I'll tell them about my childhood. I'm like, oh, yeah. When I was a kid, we had usually like 20 dogs around. And, you know, my parents didn't really take care of them. And so I ended up burying like, wow, 100 dogs before I was 18 all by myself. I remember this one puppy that was dying. And then I would go into the details about it. And then the room would get really quiet. Luckily, now I've learned that that's a skill I could potentially use to stop this situation. But I'm, I'm going to go with some dead ending. I'm going to dead end this by just making it awkward. I like that. That is also a good way to go about things. I've done that a few times, too. But I am generally uh, pretty avoidant of most things. So the bathroom is my usual it is my usual uh, tactic. It's my, my favorite go-to. All right, I will roll first this time. Let's see what happens. I got a three. I have succeeded. I was very afraid that I was going to get an even number and then the bathroom would be closed and then I would have no place to go. And then that person would have like followed me to the bathroom, which is awkward and super creepy. I was afraid it was going to go super sideways, but I have successfully escaped. And I'm going to say like after I come out of the bathroom, there's going to be a back door that I can just like escape through and then I never have to see that person again. Or if I do see them again, they'll completely have forgotten about me. That's that is what success looks like to me. I, I just assumed you had crawled out through the bathroom window like you went into the bathroom. The long talker is still outside the bathroom talking to you through the door and you just crawled out the window. That's that's what I envisioned in my head. And I was so happy for you. That is a more exciting escape. That's not as likely as the scenario that I came up with, but it is definitely more exciting. That would look better in a movie for sure. All right, what's your role? Okay. Let's, let's do this. Let's see if you are successful. All right, this I'm dead ending this conversation with purpose. I am sucking at burning bridges today. <laughs> Apparently, I just turned this in. Everyone wants to be your they friend. They want to be my friend now or my therapist, one or the other. This isn't, this isn't good. I tried to dead end it. It didn't work. I rolled a four. I, I, I am apparently just a really friendly person. You're going around burning bridges left and right, and I am just collecting all of these <laughs> friends I did not want. So, yay me. I've always been very good at burning bridges, whether I meant to or not. I've pretty much mastered the art of, of bridge burning. But I guess this person that you just shared your trauma with, they have some similar trauma. Now you've now you've made a friend. I don't know. This person might be cool, though, if they responded positively to your oversharing trauma. They might actually be somebody worth hanging out with. They might actually be interesting. You could swap stories. I, I suppose that is true because I do like talking about trauma. So maybe if they would let me get an word in edgewise, I'll start doing that. Or maybe screw the script. I'll just talk over them and maybe both of us can like simultaneously share trauma at the same time. Like where you do the playing, like parallel playing where you're not playing with each other, but you're playing by each other. But it's going to be like that, but sharing trauma. And we'll just both be talking about our trauma at the same time. That's what I'm going to go for. I like it. I dig it. Yeah, you should get that a shot. All right. Shall we move on? Let's see what we do with this next boss, the party shadow. That, that person at the party who is also kind of hanging out on the outskirts and you're just awkwardly with that person and kind of separated from everybody else. You're just kind of present with them in that space. It's super awkward between the two of you. That's what the party shadow is, right? 
Yes, I I always end up with the party shadow because whenever I go to a party, it's usually like this house thing and I usually get drugged there. I like I don't go to a party. It's more like I'm forced into attendance of these things, it feels like. And usually it's in a house and there's always one room that's really quiet that everybody's avoiding for some reason. And so I gravitate towards that room and you sit down and you're just finally like, oh, my God, stop in the sensory overload. People are not there. It's it's so peaceful. And then you realize there's one other person in the room and they've usually got this really cool vibe energy, probably because they, too, are overwhelmed. And you're just both quietly in the same room together. It, it's kind of nice. I like the party shadow. I mean, the party shadows are fine as long as they are like-minded and they do keep to themselves. But I don't end up with a party shadow very much because... As we discussed before, my go-to for avoiding most social situations is to go to the bathroom. All right, so what are you going to do with the uh, with the party show? Yeah, see, I need to figure that out because I want to overshare my trauma with them. That's what I usually do, but I already played my overshare trauma card with the long talker to stop it. So now I have to figure out what to do. I don't know, you could still do oversharing trauma because to be fair... You were attempting to dead end the conversation before. Like that was the one that you were playing. It just, since you failed, it went into oversharing trauma, but it was just supposed to be like a quick, concise comment intended to dead end the conversation. All right. Okay. So I mean, you, you could still go with oversharing trauma. I'm going to say you can't, but if you want to come up with something different. That's no, okay. Cool. I like it. I'm going to overshare trauma because that is what I do. Like that's my natural thing. When I see you there, I assume also that you are... I don't know, miswired or rewired or differently wired like I am. And obviously, I mean, I've got a 50-50 chance that there's trauma somewhere. You know what? If you're sitting alone with me in a room at a party, I'm going to say that's probably 70-30 odds, honestly, <laughs> that, that you've got some sort of trauma or trauma-like action in your past. So yes, I am going to forge that bond and I'm going to try to forge it with trauma. I, I think you've got, got pretty good chances there. Yeah, because I, I also agree. Most of the time, if there's another party shadow, they are somebody that's got some darkness in their past somewhere. They got some skeletons in the closet. I will attempt to burn the bridge because that's what I do. Uh, and I am going to just be nonverbal uh, because I do not have pressure of speech. That is not something that I struggle with. I can just sit in silence no matter how awkward it is. So if they're chill with the silence, I'm not going to break it. And if they're awkward in the silence and they have pressure of speech and they try to talk to me, I'm going to stay nonverbal, but I'm going to stare at them without speaking and without blinking. That's what I'm going to do. And then it's up to them how they want to handle it from there. That is my response. It's like, I'm, I'm listening to you but you will get nothing from me. Okay, so I am laughing at this because in some alternative universe, you and I are sitting in this room alone and we don't know each other. And what's happening with your silence is my pressure of speech is building and your silence is increasing. I don't know, it's, it's bad what I'm imagining in my head. I'm gonna have to talk forever. I will be a long talker in this situation if I encounter you as a party shadow. The funny thing is though, that in this alternate universe where we do not know each other and this dynamic is going on, in my story, in that alternate universe, you are an NPC, which means I feel even less pressure of speech because you're not real to me. 
you're a random person I'm never going to meet that has no impact on my life whatsoever. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay. No offense. <laughs> not taken. No, I, now I'm wondering, like, how many of these party shadows have I been NPCs? How many of them have I been the waffle burn lady? That's just like, here, let me share personal life details. <laughs> my wife was kidnapped by the dragon. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll let you roll first. So. Sometimes you're the hero. Sometimes you're the boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. Okay, Ivy, you roll first. You roll first. Okay, let's see what happens. Hey, I succeeded again. I'm having pretty good luck with this. That's that's awesome. I mean, it's almost making things a little bit boring, though. I, I do have a, a desire for chaos, and so far I'm just successful at everything that I try. That doesn't seem realistic at all. There's no chaos involved in that. <laughs> All right. I guess like being nonverbal and staring at them is working for me. I don't know if they're still talking or not, because I'm probably dissociating and not paying attention anyway. I'll probably head to the bathroom here before too long. I feel a pee, I feel a pee break coming on. Alright, All right, I'm going to roll. Hoping to build. Hoping to build this relationship. Don't make me the NPC die. You've hated me this whole game. I am the NPC in this situation. I rolled a two. I am an NPC. They're just staring at me going, why is this lady telling me about her waffle burns? This is what's happening. <laughs> Curses! I am burning bridges I want to build, people. <laughs> and you've also been making friends you don't want. <laughs> I know. I need more practice wielding my neurodivergent skills because obviously I don't yet know how to wield them well. That's the problem. I mean, I, I think you just have to, whatever your instinct tells you, you just have to do the opposite. You just have to use a, a different skill. Yeah. I think that's what's going on here. You cannot listen to your instincts. You know, I feel like this is very accurate for so many reasons. That's how I am with directions, because I am horrible with directions. And so what I've started to do is when I have to go someplace, usually my boyfriend's navigating and I get to the, the turn and I'm like, okay, I think I should go right. And so I'm like, I bet I should go left, huh? And he's like, yeah, it's good job. You're learning. And I'm like, no, I just did the opposite of what I thought I should do. <laughs> so apparently that's what I should do with socialization. Yes. I will learn to wield these skills. I will be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, that is kind of a skill in and of itself. Like you have the awareness to understand that like your instincts are just always wrong. <laughs> so you can use that to your advantage. That is a skill in and of itself. I cannot trust my instincts. What is the opposite of what I'm feeling like I should do? All right, I'm going to do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, let's try this. Okay. So our next, our next person that we need to socialize with is obsessively normal. So these people take normal to a whole different level. They are just born and bred so normal. They've never really had much happen to them in their lives. They had nice little friends. They had a nice little family. They talk about the weather. They talk about the little sports team. And it's not even like they're trying to fit in. It's just this is the actual average the rest of the world is trying to base themselves on. So obsessively normal. Okay, Ivy, what are you going to do? You know, I, I'm not sure why I'm asking, but, you know, I'm going to ask it. What are you going to do? I'm going to burn the bridge. <laughs> that's what I like to do. I enjoy the burning of bridges. Little social arsonist that I am. There's just a road behind you. Um, I'm going that's to... all it is, just flames. Oh, Ivy's been that way. Look at the flames. It's it's the red hair. It just goes with that. I just, I feel, I feel the need. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to burn the bridge or attempt to. 
by talking about super niche obsessive interests. All right, let me see. What super niche obsessive interest am I going to go with? I'm going to go with my obsessive interest in Robert Heinlein books because one thing I've gathered is that almost nobody knows who Robert Heinlein is. And about half of the people that do know who Robert Heinlein is don't like him because, uh, and he was the, the writer of Starship Troopers, which is what like most people would probably know him for, uh, even though that movie was not great. Most people don't actually like Robert Heinlein because he's very questioning of authority in weird ways. Also, there's a lot of polyamory in his books and a weird amount of incest. So I'm going to talk about Robert Heinlein. And if they get really normal with me and they try to like build on this, unless they're they're genuinely a Robert Heinlein fan, once I'm... <laughs> Once I mention his weird obsession with incest, oh, that's definitely going to end that conversation right there. I'm not going to have to deal with that obsessively normal person ever again. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with that. By the way, I do not read Robert Heinlein for the incest. I read Robert Heinlein for lots of other reasons. That is not one of them. That's one of the ones that I look at and I'm like, what is with this? <laughs> Anyway, I feel like you just practiced your you whole conversation do? about talking about your niche interest in Robert Heinlein right here. So I'm just saying. I did. Well, I mean, I, I got sometimes I got to rehearse. If I'm actually going to have a conversation, if I'm not going to go demand avoidance or just staring at them awkwardly or inappropriate laughter, I got to rehearse because I'm not good at conversations. So, I mean, that is basically what I was doing, was brainstorming what I was going to say, how I was going to bring it up. I'll just, you know, yeah. That's what I was doing. I feel I feel pretty good about this now. Right. That is that is awesome. Okay, so you know what? I, I'm going for the opposite because I feel I want to burn the bridge. So I'm going to go opposite Ivy. I'm going to forge that bond. And I feel like if I'm going to forge the bond, I should try to fit in with them, right? Like that's my instinct, like fit in with them, mirror them. That's what they're going to want, right? But no, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to attempt to forge that bond. And I also am going to talk about niche obsessive interests. And I'm going to throw in an academic multiplier on that bitch because my obsessive interest is psychology, which I got me an education in. So I'm going to forge that bond about talking very academically about psychology to help widen this person's world. So I'm going to go full opposite on this one and see what happens. All right. You roll first this time. I, I want to see if you can finally get an odd number. I'm I'm hoping for you that you can. I'm like beginning to wonder if this is some weird weighted die that Jake left rolling around for real. <laughs> Two. Two. So I did do by going opposite. I killed that. I killed the relationship. I burnt that bridge, which is what I actually wanted to do. And I attempted to forge it by talking about it. It worked. So I have learned I should do the opposite of what I actually think I should do. There we go. And voila. So goodbye, obsessively Fantastic. normal person. I don't care about your sports team. I think sports are overrated. Screw you. And fuck the weather. Perfect. You've, you've mastered the skill of doing the opposite of your instinct. I like it. Ah, oh, shit. God dang it. You gave me your your even number look. Damn it. All right, so this person does like Robert Heinlein, and unlike me, they are reading it for the incest. I'm beginning to wonder how obsessive and now I'm in a real awkward... Yeah, probably not as normal as that. Maybe that's why they're so obsessive about presenting the persona of normalcy. And now I'm seeing this whole other layer to them. And they think I'm on the same page with them because we read the same author. Like, no, that's... Man, I'm there, I'm there for, like, the physics. 
and the uh the multi-universe theory shit like that's that's what i'm there for but all right you can tell me about your weird attraction to your dad i guess <laughs> okay oh god um, oh this is the worst relationship just, to a i'll it. start dissociating now <laughs> yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start <laughs> dissociating now because that's the only way i'm gonna get through this conversation and i'll probably go to the bathroom <laughs> Don't come with me. You don't get to come with me. <laughs> you know, I fear like after your obsessive talk about Heinlein and incest, and then you're going to go really quiet. They're just going to think you're a really great listener and they're going to start social media stalking you. So even when you go to the bathroom, even if you crawl out the window, they're going to find you, Ivy. They're going to find you. That's that's unsettling. OK, I can't dissociate. I cannot sit there and just listen to them. I'm going to have to find some creative way to get out of that situation. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'll I'll figure something out. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, let's let's go ahead and move on to the next person we need to socialize with. And this is the friend crush. I feel like Ivy's had a few more friend crushes than me, so I'm going to let you talk about the friend crushes, Ivy. All right. So, my my perfect example here of the friend crush is this person I used to work with, Stacy. And I do not talk to people, obviously. I go around burning bridges left and right. And I especially don't talk to coworkers for the most part because it just ends up being workplace drama like 99% of the time. And I don't want to mess with that. But Stacy seemed awesome. She seemed like everything I was not. She was super social. She was very caring. She had like big hearts and she could talk to anybody about anything and be genuinely interested. And she's just bubbly and sweet and wonderful and amazing. And so I had a friend crush on her for, I don't know, like maybe four years and never really spoke to her because I just don't speak to people. And I also just figured like she's way cooler than I am and I'm just going to make things awkward and weird if I try to talk to her. She's like the the ideal to me as far as like the friend crush. We did eventually become friends because she initiated it, which I'm very thankful for. But that is what the friend crush is. It's this person that you really, really want to be friends with and you're a little intimidated by how much you want to be friends with them and you're intimidated by them as a person, not because they are mean, but because they're so cool. That's what the friend crush is. So for me with this, I am going to go out of my comfort zone and I am going to attempt to forge a bond. Oh, That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to forge a bond and I'm going to still just embrace my awkwardness and embrace my chaotic little brain. And I will just start talking to my friend crush about random things, jumping from one subject to another until I find one that seems to be of interest to them and that we can have a conversation about. That's what I'm going to go for. I, I am invested in forging this bond. Okay, so I'm going to go back to what I would actually do instead of going opposite the whole time because I want to see at all if my instincts are ever going to lead me the right way. And so honestly, I'm, I'm going to burn this bridge. <laughs> this is horrible. But I usually don't make friends and that's kind of intentional because I get lonely and I'm like, oh gosh, I would love to have friends. But I also realize in, in this extreme pervasive demand avoidance part of me, friends require things like, I don't know, responding to text messages, acknowledging their existence every few months. And sometimes that's a bit much for me. So while I really like this person from afar and they're a great ideal friend, I kind of want to burn the bridge because if they were a real friend... That's I've got like I've got my sister. I've got Jake. I got Tracy. I, I'm, I'm full. Like I got three people in my life. I don't I don't think I could fit any more in. I think it would be too much. 
So I'm going to burn the bridge and I'm going to go with pride in my uniqueness. So I'm going to blow this way out of proportion. But I feel like a lot of us neurodivergent people and, you know, let me know, write in, tell me if I'm wrong. We have this weird kind of twisted thing where, yes, we feel like, oh, my God, we're disfigured and society hates me. But at the same time, we're like, nobody wants to be normal anyway. I'm so much more cooler because I'm not. And so I'm going to play that that arrogant part of me up. I think our parents were very, very much that way because that's kind of how I grew up. Yeah, of course, I'm not normal. Who'd want to be that way? So I'm going to be super ridiculously, obnoxiously proud about being unique and mentally different. That's what I'm going with. Our parents definitely were very much that way. I actually saw something that was really funny to me. It was on Instagram, but it was from an old movie. It had Audrey Hepburn and I think Cary Grant. I can't remember what it was called for the life of me, but it was a really brief thing from that movie. And they're, I guess maybe they're meeting for the first time. He asks, do they know each other? And she says, no, do you think we're going to? And he was like, how would I know? And she, she says something to the effect of, well, I already know an awful lot of people. And until one of them dies, I can't possibly know anyone else. <laughs> and I, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I relate to that. That is how I feel anytime I'm meeting somebody who obviously wants to, to forge a bond. It's like, uh, but I already know a lot of people and I already feel overwhelmed by the few social connections that I have. Until someone dies, I I really cannot meet anybody else. I can't make any more friends. I am I'm full up in, until somebody drops off, either through death or just you know drifting apart and forgetting about each other. So I can relate to that. I can relate to that, but I really want to know this friend crush because I mean I've been I guess longing after their friendship for four years, <laughs> like I did with Stacy. Sooner or later, you, you gotta give it a, you gotta give it a shot. So. I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see. I'm going to roll the die and prepare for potential heartbreak. Let's see. Uh, heartbreak. Oh. I just made them feel awkward. I'm so sorry. And now you... I just made them feel awkward. And they don't want to talk to me ever again. And now you... <laughs> Maybe they overheard, you still, overheard my... You still have to work <laughs> they, with them, too. They probably overheard my conversation with the other person. <laughs> yeah, they probably overheard my, my conversation with the other person about Robert Heinlein books. And now they think I'm into some weird shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they probably did not want me to talk to them in the first place. <laughs> so sad. You go out of your comfort uh, zone once, oh well. you try to make a friend, and it blows up in your face. This is why you burn all these bridges. This is... But, you know... That, I mean, that is part of why I burn all these bridges. Also, I should have known better because every close connection that I have had with anybody is because they just adopted me, non-consensually, just adopted me, and I learned to like it. That's 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 pretty much it. I have mentioned this in previous episodes. I am a hardcore introvert, and all of the close friendships that I have have been with aggressive extroverts who just swoop me up and then we're just friends. I'm getting used to this. I like you. I will be unfailingly loyal to you to the death now because <laughs> we're we're friends. But me trying to initiate friendships on my own just never never really pans out. So I, I should have known better. I should have just waited. I should have waited. Maybe they would have eventually approached me. Maybe they could have forgotten about that conversation with the other person eventually. <laughs> that, is, that is so sad. That's so sad. Okay, I'm I'm gonna intentionally try to burn the bridge. Yes! Three, 
I, I do not have to have a friend now. I don't know if that's sadder, like that you tried to make a friend and it didn't, or like I intentionally am so like whatever in my head that I don't even want friends and I'm just going around toasting those bridges. So I am successful. Three, burnt the bridge, obnoxiously proud. I, I feel like our luck has shifted now. I was winning pretty much all the way through and you kept losing and I've lost the last two. So I feel like we've, uh, we've traded off. I think that's what's going I'm on excited here. about this personally. Well, obviously you <laughs> would be. Nobody likes to lose. <laughs> All right. So the next person, people, however you want to put this, that we have to socialize with are the worker drones. And yes, these these are your coworkers. And if you're anything like me, and this is probably a horrible thing to admit, especially if I have any previous or current coworkers listening to this episode, uh, I don't pay much attention to humans. And especially when I start a new job, I am so focused on just so many other things and trying to learn routines and being anxious that my ability to interact with humans is super low. And so I'll usually be at a job for six months a year and will have no clue who some of these people are. And of course, it's way too awkward to like actually ask their name at that point, because that's just rude that you've kind of been like, hey, good morning. How's the coffee for like six months? And you have no clue what the person's name is. But yeah, OK, so the next people we have to socialize with are our coworkers and, and not the really cool ones that we have friend crushes on, but just the, the generic background other people that are in the environment. Well, I mean, obviously... I'm going to go back to burning bridges. That is my comfort zone. And I got shot down by the friend crush. So I am back in bridge burning mode. Also, as I previously mentioned, I usually try not to form connections to coworkers because it's almost always more of a hassle than it turns out being, you know, worth. So I'm going to attempt to burn the bridge. And for people who have played Munchkin, and I I think, I can't remember which game it was in, but I think it might be in the original Munchkin. I'm going to go with something inspired by that game. There was a card in there. It was the Armor of Ennui, which is basically a lack of fucks. Like a total lack of fucks. Like I have negative fucks to give. Flat affect, lack of engagement, so much disinterest. I am like a black hole of interest. That's what I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. And that would be really good for a workplace because that's typically how many of us feel in the workplace. So I feel like it's going to be really easy to pull that on. Um, I, I'm also going to go for burning that bridge. And part of this is, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of time for friends. But another part of me, and I don't know if this is autistic or if this is just a me thing, but okay, so I used to have this dog and he loved people and he loved being petted. But when he went on walks, it was sniff and pee time. And if people tried to pet him, he would get really annoyed because this is sniff and pee time. And if they tried to give him cookies, he'd get annoyed because this is sniff and pee time. And that's often how I feel about work is well. This is work time. I'm not talking to you because this is work time. <laughs> and so I'm definitely going to attempt to burn the bridges with my coworkers because this is work time. This is not talk time. This is work time. So I'm very rigid in that. And I'm going to go with my rigid thinking. I'm going to go with extreme rigid thinking about this is work time. We're not being paid to talk. I'm going to be working now. All right, I'm just going to say I was really hoping that you would have gotten on such a roll of 
<laughs> saying this is Sniff and Peter, that <laughs> you were going to apply to your situation as well. You did not, and I am disappointed because I was waiting for it, I was hoping for it, and I was not going to remove it in post-production if it happened. I'm just going to imagine that it happened because it brings me joy to do so. And now we can now we can move on and, and roll. I'm just going to live in my imaginary world here. Well, I am going to I'm going to roll my die and I'm going to see if I can burn the bridge with my rigid thinking. Uh, I counted this backfire. How did I manage to forge this bond? Maybe I did like say sniff and pee and they're like, I also enjoy sniffing and peeing. Maybe I forged a bond with sniffing and peeing. I don't like I am. I don't even know how this backfired. I don't know. Me either. But I have a bad feeling I'm also going to fail on this one, which is going to be epic. Because if there's any if there's any type of social interaction that you and I both really try to avoid, it's workplace social interaction. So it would be fitting if both of us failed. But let's see what happens. Oh, I succeeded. Yes. Ah, I, I managed to get away. I managed to get away by being a black hole of disinterest. Like I, I was actually like a little bit nervous. I, I could see how that actually would be a double-edged sword because so many people do have that just completely flattened, tortured aspect at work. They could have just totally related to you. It could have been like, oh no, we are soul sisters. I am with you. You're, you're very lucky it worked for you. <laughs> So again, I feel like this is going to say something about both of us, just like that, how in the, uh, the previous situation with the crazy NPC dude, you thought he was going to have a crush on me and I was pretty sure he was going to attack me. You were thinking this person was going to relate to me. And I was really worried that if I failed, this person would be one of like those hardcore masochists who just really gets off on rejection and he, they like turn it into some weird sexualized thing where they start thinking of me as like this intellectual dominatrix. And then I was going to have a real weird, creepy stalker situation on my hand with somebody who just wants me to like put them down and shit. That's what I was worried was going to happen, man. All right. I am apparently much darker than I realized. My uh, my mistrust of people has a real dark slant. Yeah, there's so many other scenarios. <laughs> First, I'm getting myself murdered by some crazy dude at the gas station, and now I've got a weird, creepy, masochist stalker of a co-worker. Wow. Uh, I, I guess I am more chaotic evil than I thought I was. <laughs> Holy shit, I am, I am learning some uncomfortable <laughs> things about myself this episode. It's okay. <laughs> just accept it. Learn to wield it. It's good. You just accept who you are. Take that mask off. Wield those powers, Ivy. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you said take the mask off, and since I'm like S&M shit in my head now, because of that nightmare scenario I created for myself, mask took on a whole different meaning. I definitely want to take that mask off and get the fuck out of here. Uh, we will move on to the next one. Uh, and you know what? Let's just go opposite spectrum of that, uh, or at least superficially opposite spectrum of that. You never know about what people are like on the inside but let's go with the next boss the church lady what are you gonna do with the church lady oh i am really lucky like i think i have practiced or i don't know achieved a don't talk to me look which i love 
And my boyfriend is apparently just not menacing enough because he got so many of these church ladies in in the Midwest when we lived in the Midwest. So many times he'd just be standing there or eating at McDonald's or something that obviously says I am not interested in interacting with anybody. And some little old lady would be like, honey, have you found Jesus? Do you need Jesus in your life? I have a pamphlet for you. I have a Bible for you. So many times. Been there, done that. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go with been there, done that. Not my thing. Sorry to anybody out there trying to convert me, but it's, I don't care what religion you are. I got my own thing going on. I don't, I don't need yours. I'm glad it works for you. I am so happy that your spiritual ideals work for you. But I, I don't want them. And like, you can't see me because this is obviously just audio. But like, even now, like my hands are up in the stop. Go away. Don't do this. Like that's, yeah. So I'm burning that bridge. Um, You know what? I think I'm going to provide an excessive amount of information is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to tell them exactly why I feel that their particular religion does not work for me and go into extreme minute detail about what does work for me and how that conflicts with what they're trying to tell me. So I'm just going to go excessive detail, over explain, like I'm doing right now, continuing to explain when I don't need to. I love that Autumn's reaction to the church lady is the same reaction I had to the hugger because those two things often do go hand in hand. But I'm going to go total agent of chaos here and try to forge that bond because maybe with the dark slant that I am finding myself on, maybe I do need a little bit of Jesus, not a ton, but a little bit of Jesus to bring me back to chaotic neutral and off the, off the path of dark chaos that I seem to be on. So I am going to attempt to forge that bond. But because I am an agent of chaos, I'm going to go about it in a real roundabout way. I am going to use gastrointestinal issues as a way to forge the bond. And why, you ask, would I use gastrointestinal issues? I hear you. I hear you. But most of these church ladies, they're like little old ladies. And I know it's probably wrong for me to stereotype and maybe I'm going to the evil side again. But my experience with little old ladies is that they like to tell you about their health problems. And inevitably, while they're talking to you about their knees and their arthritis, they will also bring up gastrointestinal problems that they're having. And because I also get gastrointestinal problems because of all of my issues with stress, I am going to use this as a way to forge a bond that is not directly about Jesus. So I can just get like a little bit of that, uh, of, of the heaven stuff kind of rubbed off on me without getting burned at the stake or struck down by lightning by actually stepping into a church. I will just relate to the little old lady about gastrointestinal problems. She will tell me a bit about Jesus, then she will pray for me, and maybe I will be slightly less evil. This is my plan. I feel like it's very well This is an extremely well thought out plan, and I admire this because I would not have thought of the gastrointestinal issues as being like, because I'm like, you know, neurodivergent symptoms, you know, you got this, you got the oversharing, you got like what we've been talking about, but you're like, no, I'm going to go out full because most of us on the spectrum are ADHD. Yeah, we got some stuff going on with that, uh, the tummies, and you're, yeah, you're embracing that. You go. And I also love a throwback here to a previous episode, our talk about poop episode, because when you do have social anxiety we do encourage you to talk about poop so let's see if yeah we're gonna we're gonna see if forging that bond i i'm really curious to see if talking about poop helps you forge that bond i need to know i need to know ivy you you've got to go first <laughs> i mean 
I I am also curious about this. I I feel like I am stepping even more outside of my comfort zone because your reaction to social anxiety is to talk about poop. I never even acknowledge that I do poop in regular everyday life. Like Calvin teases me all the time because I refuse to acknowledge that I ever shit. I refuse to acknowledge that bodily functions happen. So this is a constant source of, of amusement for him and he makes jokes at my expense about it all the time. So I'm really going outside of my uh, comfort zone. I am going full chaos and I'm gonna see what happens. Let's see if I can forge a friendship on the base of gastrointestinal problems. Uh, if this is a failure, it's gonna be epic. <laughs> what I have gathered from this is that I should never attempt to forge bonds. Um, she did not pray for me. She did not relate. I made her very uncomfortable. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing for everybody involved. I will definitely not be going to church now. Um, Jesus has rejected me. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I'm, I think I'm done with forging bonds. I think burning bridges is safer. And now all of this stress and embarrassment has given me, has given me some more gastrointestinal problems. And I will use that excuse to run away to the bathroom. So I just want to say, because you burnt... It always goes back to the bathroom for me. Always. Okay, so because you burn bridges so much, I'm going to go with... You just need practice. So maybe talking about poop didn't work about this time. But try it a few more times. Maybe you just haven't got the skill. Maybe you went straight into the color and texture and that was just too deep. You, you need to go general at first. You got to feel this out. You can't just jump in to things like that, to the details. It's got to be like a general thing. We'll, we'll practice this. We'll, we'll practice this off air, Ivy. All right. I, yeah, I definitely got a little too ambitious because I have zero experience talking about poop and very outdated experience talking to church ladies. So I really went overly ambitious there. Let's see how I do with the social arsenal here. Oh, thank goodness. I got a three. I burned the bridge with excessive information. They ran away from me. Woo. Okay, so I'm good. I'm good. We're moving on. I'm getting away from the church lady before she changes her mind. And we need to escape because Ivy made this awkward anyways. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I mean, your your success was even better because you also, not only did she have no interest in continuing the conversation, she did not burn you with a stake or attempt an exorcism on you. Which is honestly one of Great my success. fears of talking to religious people, whether founded or not that I am going to be lynched and burnt at the stake. Maybe some past life trauma. I don't know, but an honest to God fear. I, I think part of what happened here with, with the church lady is we probably approached her together and collectively we made her very uncomfortable. And now she is fearful of us both. I think that's what happened. Maybe if I had just talked about poop and kept it very general, if I had not gone into too much detail, if I had not over-talked, which I am prone to doing, if I do start talking to people, I tend to go too far. Uh, if I had just kept it simple about poop and you had not talked at all, maybe I could have made a friend and she would have been so distracted by me that she forgot about you, but instead we've terrified a little old church lady. I'm embarrassed to have the shits. 
And I mean, you were successful. I mean, you got away from this scot free. The little church lady, you know, we had issues. But this was, this was a wonderful success for you. So this makes me this makes me feel like, okay, because we're actually going to make this a little game. It's just a really easy one. We're going to have it as a printable on our website on the products page. And so I, we've got all the rules written up in some of the cards and stuff. But it makes me want to think, like, how can we make this like a team thing? Like where you could do teams, where you could team up on the church lady to get like a specific objective because now I want to include that somehow. Maybe not in this version. Maybe the next version we're going to do teams. So we can even even if you want to do opposites like how I didn't want to and Ivy did, but you team that together to both get your thing and you have to combine your neurodivergent powers like some sort of mighty morphin power ranger or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, I mean, I feel like both of us need to master our own individual skills first and i suspect that probably applies to a lot of other neurodivergent people too they need to master their own individual skills because we're not used to unmasking and then we can start forming alliances with other neurodivergent people all right okay so 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 speaking of teams Let's move on to our next one, which is the team builder. Okay, so you may encounter this in other areas of your life, but I think of it mostly at work just because I don't have a life that's not home, the grocery store or work. So nobody asked me to team build at the grocery store. <laughs> so I'm going to go with work. But it's the person that's always, you know, we need one more person on our committee. And if you just chip in and be a team player, you know, the kind, the, the team builder. Where do you encounter team builders, Ivy? Nowhere anymore. And that is intentional. <laughs> that is calculated. That is a skill I have masterfully honed. I am really good at avoiding all team building scenarios. And I am, of course, going to attempt to burn this bridge as well, because it's great for you folks that like team activities, but fuck that. No, thank you. And I am going to go with pride in my uniqueness. I know Autumn used that one earlier, but I have not yet. So I'm going to go with pride in my uniqueness and I'm going to add an aggressive multiplier because there's nothing I hate more than fucking team shit. So I am totally going to attempt to burn that bridge and get out of anything team related. That has been like my life goal is to avoid any and all situations in which I have to work as a team with a group of other people. And for the most part, I have been successful. I would like to stay that way. I have avoided most jobs that require teamwork. I have managed in academic settings to completely avoid any team things. I I'm good. I don't do teams. So yeah, I'm going to go pride in my uniqueness that I just don't fit well in teams. I don't work well in a team. Everybody will hate me, which is true. <laughs> I am not fun to work with. And uh, I'm going to be real aggressive about that because I want to hammer home that message that you do not want me on your team. Because even if we are successful in what we are attempting to do, you will despise me by the end. But no matter how much you despise me, I guarantee I will despise you more. <laughs> So I am really curious for those of you in the audience that are uh, attention deficit that are on that that diagnosis or that label or that end of the world. How many of you actually are team builders? Because I find this very funny because I don't know a lot of people, obviously, and the couple people I do know very intimately are on the ADD. I know my sister and I know my boyfriend and both of them are so aggressively hateful of teams. Like I don't like them because they make me uncomfortable and I feel hyper responsible and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't get the script and I'm uncomfortable. But both Ivy and my boyfriend, Jake despise them. So if you are out there, if you're listening and you're ADD, 
please let me know how you feel about teams because I want to know, is this like an ADD thing or is this just an Ivy and my boyfriend thing that they hate teams? Like they would literally set fire to the building to avoid teams. <laughs> okay, so I will say that I also do not like team building. Like I said, it makes me extremely uncomfortable and I am hyper responsible, which means my performance is now going to be judged on y'all and y'all probably are not competent to my setting needed to please people and protect my safety. Not okay. So I am going to burn that bridge like I do in every team by controlling that environment. Every single thing this team is going to be doing is going to be done to my specifications or it will be done by me and I will rigidly control everything. I don't care if I'm the assigned leader or not. I am leading this bitch. I am nailing this project. You are not flunking me. You are not getting me fired. So burning the bridge by controlling everything. That's what I'm going with. All right, I will I will attempt to roll first. I am nervous about this uh, because I really, really hate teams. If I did not make it clear already, <laughs> this, is, this is going to be dangerous for all involved if I fail. All right. Oh! Since I cannot burn the bridge, I am going to sabotage this project <laughs> and then I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Should have listened to me. I don't do teams. That's all I'm going to say. I will win this. I will avoid this somehow. I will sabotage the project. I will burn the place to the ground. I have no qualms about this. You will not put me in a situation where I am responsible for other people and they are responsible for me. It will not happen. I will find a way around it. That's all I can say. Oh, oh, that's, oh yeah. This, that building is getting burnt to the ground. That is going to, okay. Okay. Yeah. I have burnt the bridge. I got it fine. I went in controlling. I went in leading the thing. Nobody wants me on the team anymore because I just outshone all of them and was a complete anal freak about everything they did. I knew my right, controlling well. nature would come into handy one of these days. Like I am, I can wield this. I feel like I could go out in real life now and wield this controlling nature to get what I need. I am, I am excited about this. Well, I also wonder though, if it might've helped a little bit that I burned the place to the ground. <laughs> and so therefore there is no work to be done. Just okay. saying, I, I feel like that might've For the record, <laughs> even if we worked in the same facility and you burned it to the ground, had I been assigned the project, I still would have completed the project ahead of schedule above specification, regardless of the demise of the business. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's true. I mean, you probably would have seen in advance what was coming from me and you would have fireproofed one room in the building that you could work in. <laughs> oh, yeah. As soon as they asked you to join that's the team, I was like, hell no, that's that's we're laying in fireproofing. This was like as soon as they even talked to you. I knew. <laughs> Uh, uh, at least we know ourselves well. I, I feel such a sense of accomplishment, even though I lost that that role. I feel such a sense of accomplishment in just having destroyed the whole thing. Just like, okay, fine, I'll be on your team. I hope you like fire. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's go to the next one. Um, the crush. Okay, so we talked about the friend crush. This is just the crush. And I know we're not teenagers anymore. But all of us, many of us, most of us, we still get the crush. You you want to be in a relationship with them. You want the romantic stuff, whatever that means for you. Maybe it's cuddles. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's going on hikes together. Whatever that relationship is, you want it so bad with this person. I, I definitely like the concept of love, which I know sounds odd considering 
everything else that I've said in this episode, my reactions to all social situations, you would think that I would have zero interest in love, but that is not true. I guess I am a villain that does everything for love. All right, so that being said, I'm going to attempt to forge this bond because I do love a good love story. In real life, what uh, ultimately got me into my current love story is that I was completely oblivious to Calvin to the point that he thought that I was actively ignoring him and did not like him, which apparently worked out well for me because we've been together now for four and a half years. But the night that we met, he tried to talk to me like three or four times and I did not acknowledge his existence because I did not notice he was speaking to me. So my neurodivergency worked out really well for me that night. My social anxiety, my obliviousness to my surroundings, you know, all that, that all worked out pretty well for me. Apparently, apparently being ignored did it for him. Um, but that is not what I am going to attempt to do here because it is not what I attempted to do that night either. My actual go-to when attempting to forge a bond with somebody I'm romantically interested in is to provide an excessive amount of information about myself. And a lot of times that does not go well for me. I'm hoping this dice roll is uh, kind to me, but that is what I do. I love a good disclaimer, and I just try to tell them as much about myself up front as I possibly can. So that is what I will attempt to do here to forge that bond. And I'm going to guess that I will fail because that seems to be what happens for me every time I roll to forge a bond. But we'll see. Oh, I, I'm rooting for you. I'm so rooting for you in this. Okay, so I'm going to attempt to forge the bond because when I do have a crush, I mean, this is assuming I'm not in a relationship as I assume Ivy is assuming she's not in a relationship. So I'm not in a relationship. I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm going to forge that bond and I'm going to go to my old standby, which is which is horrible. And I, I probably I don't I, I don't recommend this for most people. Inappropriate closeness. Yeah, um, I'm not a close talker. I'm usually one of those like 10 foot bubble people. But if I like you, I am on you like a barnacle. I am way too close. I'm accidentally rubbing my boobs on you. And and like my go-to flirting because I am so, okay, so I'm so good at flirting. This is my go-to line. Are you ready? Do you want to have sex? That's my go-to. I'm just going to say 90% plus success rate with that. Though I, I have been hitting mostly on guys that may be different if I went went for the other team, as they say. But uh, yeah, I'm going with inappropriate closeness and apparently <laughs> inappropriate uh, questions as well. I feel like as a rule, from my understanding of the men that I have known, most of the time if a woman approaches them and just says, do you want to have sex? Their answer is probably going to be yes. Not every time, but most of the time the answer is going to be yes. It's a pretty safe bet for women to do that towards men. Not such a safe bet the other way around. Although, as long as you're asking for consent, the worst you can possibly be is creepy. Just, just saying. All right, shall we, shall we both roll to see yes, yes. what happens to, to test our fate here? Okay. You go first. <laughs> Once again, successful. They did want to have sex, and I now am sleeping with my crush. So. Go. Go figure. All right, well, I'm glad that worked out well for you. Okay, let's see what happens. Oh, God. Every time I try to forge a bond, it failed. Okay, no, no, okay. We're I doing mean, this again. What? You have met this guy at the party. It blew up once. <laughs> You're going to try it again at the second party. Try it one more time. One more die roll, Ivy. We want you to get with this guy. We need one bond forged. Come on. Come on. I mean, I'll, okay. I will try it again. But what I will say 
is that with what a strong personality that I have and the disclaimers that I give, because the disclaimers that I give are very upfront. They're like things that are important to know. Like I'm bipolar. Hey, you know, I got shit going on. I got trauma, things like that. Somebody who can take that in stride, they're probably they probably got a strong enough personality to be with me. If they're freaked out by me, they probably don't. But I'll, I'll give it a try. We'll see. We'll see if this guy is, does differently the next time around. Nope, nope. It's it's another it's another no. Oh. Which is fine. I'm not brokenhearted about it because the right person will be able to accept me as I am. Because fact of the matter is, I more than likely am not changing these fundamental things about myself, nor do I really want to. So they got to be somebody who's already on board for being with somebody like me, <laughs> which Calvin is. So I'm lucky. I, I'm, I'm good. I just I want you to make a friend so bad. I so bad want you to make a friend. No, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like, that's the only way that I make friends is for aggressive extroverts to adopt me, often against my will. <laughs> that's usually how it is. Friendships to me are like Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's good. I'm fine with it. It's what works for me. So I am not surprised by any of these outcomes during this game at all. They're all very true to form. This is my reality. <laughs> all right all right okay so let's go let's go to the next person here the next person we are calling the rabbit hole okay so this person you start talking to they seem you know pretty normal basic average person and then all of a sudden they're talking about all the youtube news they saw and how the cryptives have actually taken over idaho and are then going to be making a play to invade canada where of course the aliens are setting up their stronghold up there in ottawa and they almost sound a little psychotic which i'm not saying anything against cryptids aliens ottawa any of that so if you don't don't get offended by that but you you see what i'm going they go down the rabbit hole and it's not just a little like oh i believe in bigfoot or yes aliens are a thing but it goes it goes into the deep deep parts of the youtube news so we've got a rabbit hole ivy so what are your thoughts here all right i'm gonna try one more time to forge a bond and i know that probably sounds like a real weird choice to most people but here's what i gotta say generally speaking i have had good luck with rabbit hole people because i am relatively non-judgmental about pretty much any conspiracy theory. Like, I'm not going to shoot you down right away. I'm not going to tell you that you're crazy. I'm going to listen because I am genuinely interested. I probably won't believe most of those conspiracy theories. So I'm a little too cynical. I, I just don't trust anybody, including the conspiracy theorists for the most part. But I am fascinated. So I generally have good luck with rabbit hole people. And I do usually find them interesting. And they are usually full of chaos and... I dig chaos. So I'm going to give it a shot. And I will attempt to forge this bond by just saying random shit that's not relevant to the conversation and see where they take it. If they're talking to me about some Alex Jones, the, you know, the water's turned and the frog's gay, I'm going to come back with like, yeah, and you know, like basketball. It's really about pie. It's not even about basketball. It's not about people. It's not about sports. It's about pie. People really love pie. And then they just started playing with basketballs because like the basketballs were round and it reminded them of pie, but like pie that bounced. <laughs> and then I'm going to see where they take it from there. Oh, wow. You're like <laughs> mining the rabbit hole there. That is, whew. you are a much braver woman than I. I. I'm burning that bridge. Again, that threat assessment kicks in and I'm like, 
I don't know, they might be a threat to me. Because what if all of a sudden they think I'm a cryptid and they go at me with a stake or something? I'm, I'm terrified of stakes, apparently. I'm really thinking past life trauma regarding stakes. But so I'm going to burn this bridge just to be short about that. I'm, I'm going to go nonverbal which I think is going to be really hard for me. This is not a, obviously a trait that I have used very much. So I'm just going to go really quiet and really wide-eyed and say nothing. So I think I'm going to go nonverbal mixed with creepy, awkward stare. That's what I'm going for. Man, you are being as ambitious with this one as I was with the poop talk with the little <laughs> church lady. I know. Just saying. I hope you are more successful in your venture than I was in mine. <laughs> Ooh. All right, you want to go first or you want me to? I'll go first this time. All right, let's see what happens. I'm I'm hoping to actually make a friend here of my own accord. And I did not. <laughs> every, time, every time I have attempted to forge a bond, I fail. They think I'm crazy now. That's what happened. I, I went too far for them. And now they're concerned about me. They're going to go talk to all their friends about this crazy ass <laughs> person that they met who thinks that basketball has something to do with pie. I think, I mean, but come on, everybody knows basketball players don't like pie because pie is poison. <laughs> How would she not know that? That's what's going on now. That's what happened. I went too crazy for them. I had an opposite theory about basketball and pie. This did not work out in my favor. I think All instead right. of providing random information, you accidentally one up to them. You out crazy them. I think that's what happened. <laughs> it's it's a fine line. It's a really fine line, I think. But yeah. All right. Let's see what I got here. Three. I have burned that bridge, which I am really surprised. I have so much pressure of speech. I usually can't hold out more than like four seconds. I am. Yeah. I don't even allow left pause in the conversation for the most part to allow a person to respond let alone continue on a tirade long enough to get uncomfortable. Hey, kudos to you. I am proud of you. I am proud of you for being able to keep your mouth shut in a situation where it must have been incredibly difficult to do so. Because <laughs> you really like to be factual and tell people how things actually are. If this were real life and I tried to use this strategy, it would have blown up in my face because it literally would have been about five seconds where I would have been like, but that doesn't make sense. And I wouldn't have argued like because not because Bigfoot doesn't exist, but what is Bigfoot doing in Florida? Obviously, he is a cold weather creature. So if I had actually tried this in real life, I would have gone down the rabbit hole with them taking my logic backpack and it. It would have blown up just for the record. I'm just going to throw in here, though. Like, obviously, you have not heard of the swamp versions of Bigfoot. I get that, but you're talking <laughs> Yeti Bigfoot, not Swamp Bigfoot. So if you want to come at me with Swamp Bigfoot, sure, let's do that. Because, again, I can just keep talking and be an authority, and it's not going to go good. I'll start species debating with cryptids, and I know shit about them, but I'll pull some shit out of my ass. All right, well, I mean, I, I don't have enough skin in this game to care either way to continue on this debate, nor is that the purpose no. of this episode. So I guess we will move on from cryptid talk and move on to our next boss, the delusional empathizers. And I don't know about y'all out there who are also neurodivergent, but almost nothing drives me more crazy than people who think that they understand you, but they most definitely don't. But you can't convince them that they don't because they're very, very obsessed with the idea that they understand you and they feel your pain and they relate to you completely. And that will drive anybody absolutely insane because usually they also want to tell you what to do as well because they know you and they know it's going to work for you because that's what they do. They relate to everybody. 
These people drive me nuts. They drive me absolutely nuts. I'm definitely burning that bridge. And the the sad thing is, is in real life when I enter these, I, I usually my go-to is to provide too much information because I keep trying to explain it because I see that you don't understand what I'm saying. So allow me to continue to explain it. But it doesn't work because they get this set concept of who you are in their head and what you experience and pretty much nothing else you could say ever is going to change what they've already considered you. So I know providing too much information is going to work. I've already played that card anyway. I'm just going to randomly jump from one subject to another. Let's see how far their empathy goes. I'm going to pull on Ivy's The Swamp Monsters in Florida. We're going to go with the Robert Heinlein incest. We're going to be back over here with, um, I don't know, whatever I can. I'm just, I'm anything. Jump, 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 jump. We'll see if they can keep up with this empath train. We're going to see. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to try to burn this bridge because that is my favorite thing to do. And also these people are annoying. I am going to, I'm going to throw them for a ringer. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go full sensory overload. I'm going to listen to them for about five minutes. That sounds about right. And I'm going to stare at them without blinking, smiling. And then out of nowhere, while I'm still staring at them without blinking, I'm just going to start fucking screaming at the top of my lungs and not stop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take every ounce of sensory overload that I have and I'm going to like wrap that up and compress it and shove it into my chest until I feel it so intensely that I have a complete and utter meltdown and just start screaming and cannot be stopped. That is what I'm going to do. And we'll see if they can empathize with I that. am so excited for you. Like, even if this fails, because you've been working on your emotions, getting those emotions out and verbalizing them and having a breakdown in front of other people, I am so excited for you right now. No matter what happens, this is going to be a growing experience in this little theoretical interaction. Uh, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> I, I hate to disappoint you, but it's not going to actually be real. It's going to be an act. That's what it, w- it will be. be an act, but it's practice for the future when maybe it's not. <laughs> just saying, just saying one of these okay. days. All right. I'll let you I'll let you. I want to see how this goes. I want to see what happens when you freak out on them. Let's let's see what happens. Man, I, I really hope this one's a success because this is one of the ones I'm most proud of. And it's a success. <laughs> I win. I've just confused them and I've burst their eardrums and I've made them very afraid and they have backed away slowly at first and then turned tail and run. That is what has happened. And I am very proud of myself and I can stop screaming now. Go on about my day as if nothing. I think you found the key. Like I usually like to tell, but I think it's the show. So I think I need the show not to tell when I interact. Yeah, I'm keeping that in mind for reality when I interact with these people again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, five. They couldn't keep up with my empath- my, my, my little jumpy train either. I think I just confused them. So I'm, I'm thinking, based on this, just take whatever quote-unquote symptom you have, amplify it to the absolute utmost so they really think you are certifiable, should be hospitalized in a straitjacket, and maybe they will timely figure out that they don't fucking know shit about you. That's what, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I feel like the moral of this story is that if you do that, what will happen is you will short circuit them and they will question everything they know about themselves in the world, which is probably healthy for them. I will just throw out a caveat. Don't do this if that person is also an authority figure, a police officer, a boss, because that could come out really bad for you. (laughs) 
you might mask a little bit. I don't want anybody getting arrested yeah. or fired. You do have to be selective. I mean, we did say that at the top of the episode, that there are situations in which you actually do have to play the part and you do have to mask and you've got to put on your flight attendant persona and be perfect and pleasant and smiling and easy to get along with. But if you get an opportunity to just stare at somebody while screaming, I would highly recommend. Uh, I have not done it yet, but just the idea of it has made me giddy with excitement. So I imagine it's got to be pretty fun. Yeah, that's going on my bucket list. It can go up there next to the throwing the potato at people in produce, which I also got from you, and hitting a pigeon with a grocery sack. All of that bucket list things I want to do with my life. (laughs) All right. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. These are very closely related oftentimes to those delusion empathizers, but they're a little bit different. These are the fixers. And if you are neurodivergent and you have not met one of these, you, you might want to get a lottery ticket because you are apparently a very lucky person. Your neurodivergence is wrong. It is an illness. It is a sickness. And you would be so much happier if we could just fix you. That's what's wrong. We need to fix you because if you could be normal, if you could be a productive member of society that fully accepted all things in society and played by those rules, you would be happy. I'm going to stop right there because I could go on a complete tirade soapbox. So I'm just going to stop. All right, I'll take over there. Uh, I will attempt to burn this bridge because fuck those people. If you want to fix yourself, fix yourself. But you don't try to go around fixing other people. So I'm going to burn that bridge. You know, I will play along with their idea of me being broken. I am going to prove to them that I am so broken, I am beyond fixing. I will share every detail of every traumatic thing that I have ever been through. And I will pinpoint all of the ways in which these things are interconnected. And they are such a part of me. They are they are immersed in every fiber of my being. I am my trauma. I am my mental illness. I am my neurodivergence. I am only these things. There is nothing else to me. I am a hollow shell just full of brokenness. I cannot be fixed. I am a lost cause. You should give up on me. I'll probably die anyway within like six months. That is how broken and wounded I am. Just let it go. There are other people who can still be saved. Wow. That is a risky. I feel like that's a really risky move right there. Really risky. I Okay. I, I do also want to burn that bridge. Um, I don't think murder is a neurodivergent trait, unfortunately, in this particular situation. So I will go with uh, playing the authority because I, I, I've got a little information on mental health. I've got a little information on psychology. I've got a little information about what's what. So you know what? You, th- you you think I need to be fixed? You think being normal would make me happy? You think society is a great place to be? All right, let's throw down. Let's logically, with wonderful scenarios and statistics and article research papers, because I will fucking pull this up on Google Scholar right now. Let's throw down. Let's fucking do this. I am burning that bridge by playing the authority and maybe educating. That's what I'm going for. I gotta say, I have watched Autumn do this before, and it is it is a fine art. It is every bit as exciting as watching the Super Bowl or like an <laughs> MMA fight, if not more. Highly entertaining. And she is quite the artist with it. She is she is like a pro athlete as one-upping people academically and showing them absolutely every way in which they are wrong. 
she will reduce anybody to just a puddle of tears and inadequacies. <laughs> so she, I, I will be shocked if she does not succeed on this. That's so role. sweet. You're making me feel chaotically evil, which is what I want to be. That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing you to the dark side with me. We'll be arsonists together. I am rolling. I hope to God this works because I'm going to be devastated if it doesn't. Oh, I'm too. Is no. How is that possible? I don't know. I, I, I feel horrible now. <laughs> Maybe this is so horrible. I have just forged a bond with a fixer. <gasps> Maybe. Maybe I played the authority to the point that I converted them and now we're friends because they learned the error of their way. I'm going to go with that scenario because that's the only there one I go. can continue living with. <laughs> Again, I think this says something about both of us, that that's the direction your mind went in trying to make it a positive thing. But God, I really am chaotically evil because where my mind went was that you played the authority so much that the fixer is now convinced that they are also broken, as is the rest of Ooh. the world. And now they are looking to you to teach them how they can be fixed. You have now become a cult. Yeah. Oh, okay. I love this. No matter what, I am, I, I'm okay with this now. Yes. I am feeling very uncomfortable with these things that I'm learning about myself tonight. I really, like, I, I, when we first looked over that list, I went into it thinking that I was going to be chaotic good at first. And then I read chaotic neutral. I'm like, yeah, that's totally me. And then I read chaotic evil and I was like, nah, that's not me. And as this episode has gone on, I have come to the conclusion I am definitely chaotic evil. Um, I have failed. <laughs> My God damn it. Um, they have called yeah. the police on me. Um, I am now under suicide yeah. watch and I am naked in a room with only finger foods yeah. and I'm cold and this sucks. I'm so sorry. I that's okay. I'm going to escape. I'm going to escape because somehow I'm going to find a way to make a fire. And I'm going to burn the or just, place now. Just ask the orderly to go to the bathroom. Maybe that'll work too. <laughs> Maybe okay. so. Yeah. Okay. I, it's it's fine. Either way, I will find a way out of this predicament because you cannot contain chaos. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So for the last one today, we are going to pull out what I feel is one of the most awkward social interactions ever maybe not the most but it's it's definitely a very awkward one and this is this is the oblivious flirtation okay so this is where you've been working with somebody or meeting them regularly for months maybe even years and you finally realize this whole time they've been flirting with you and because of your natural behaviors and the way you naturally are, they have perceived that you are flirting with them, which you have not been. You are not interested in this person, but they think for months now that you have been flirting back and forth. I was actually in this situation at one of my workplaces. And so I was just talking. I was just being me. The person thought I was flirting with them. And actually, I ended up meeting another person, my current boyfriend, at that work situation. And this other person got like super upset. I couldn't figure it out. I didn't realize that they had been flirting with me until a year after I had moved away. And I was just like thinking about it randomly because that's what my mind does. And I'm like, holy shit. 
And I looked back and I am like, I am probably like the biggest asshole in their perception because they thought I was digging them and I was flirting with them and we were starting a relationship and it's not what was happening at all. Luckily for me, I had moved away because if I had not, I would have had to have quit that job. Once I realized that, uh, yeah. Has that ever happened to you, Ivy? No, it has not. But it has never happened to me, I think. Could be wrong. I think it's because I stay oblivious. I never really come to the conclusion that they were flirting with me. That idea does not cross my mind. In fact, the only reason why... I finally figured out that Calvin was flirting with me the night that we met is because when I when I went to the bathroom to avoid a different social situation, <laughs> my friend that I was at the bar with approached him and, and said, my friend thinks you're really cute. You should talk to her. And Calvin said, I tried to. She didn't respond. She's ignoring me. She doesn't like me. She thinks I'm creepy, so I'm not going to try again. And she looked him straight in the eye and she said, no, she's just oblivious and stupid sometimes. Try to talk to her again. And when I came out of the bathroom, he approached me directly, stood in front of me and spoke to me. And we've been inseparable since that night. So no, this scenario does not happen to me because I stay oblivious. And my most of my female friends who have spent any considerable amount of time around me make note all the time of how oblivious I am to male attention. So no, this has not happened to me. But if it happened to me, I would, of course, attempt to burn that bridge because I always burn bridges, whether I try to or not. But I'm actually going to try here because I've, if it's been going on this long and I'm still oblivious, they're not somebody I would be interested in anyway. So I am going to attempt to burn that bridge by dual threat again, procrastination and object impermanence. So I am going to procrastinate answering their texts for days at a time or setting a time to meet up with them for like weeks, just like putting it off and putting it off. And then I'm just going to play the object impermanence card. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I totally forgot because say, man, I'm just absent-minded. And like, if it's not right in front of me and I just forget sometimes and I'm, I'm sorry, but I mean, we'll figure it out. We'll get together at some point, you know, just like text me in a couple of days and I'll look at my calendar and we'll figure things out. And then I just never will because that's, that's how I roll. Um, so that's, that's what I would do in that situation. If it ever, just put it off indefinitely until they get bored and forget about me and move on. I just want to note, because I'm not sure if you're able to see this from the other perspective as chaotically evil as you have gone, you are going to be the world's biggest bitch from their perspective <laughs> because you've been flirting with them for three months in their mind and now you're just totally flaking on them. Oh, you are a horrible person in their perspective. They are like burning things like that represent you. They've got voodoo dolls. I just want you to know. Okay, I, I get that. Um, I can protect myself from dark magic. I do know how. And ultimately, sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind because if I was nice to them and actually directly like tried to let them down easy, part of them would probably still be hoping that it could work out someday. And that I'm actually like a really good person. And like, she went out of her way to like, you know, have this meaningful conversation with me. And she's just not like in the headspace to be in a relationship right now. And like, that's what they would do. But if I do it this way, they will despise me. And therefore they can turn their love into hate and it will be so much easier to let go. 
and move on to somebody else who will treat them a hundred times better, who will treat them the way that they deserve to be treated, who will love them as they deserve to be loved. And they will learn a valuable lesson for me to not get involved with women like that again. So I'm actually being kind. So is there some sort of like alignment that's like chaotically evil for good? Because I feel like that's what you're doing with a lot of this. Like, yes, this is really horrible, <laughs> but it's for their own good. And it is. It's like a Machiavelli thing. But the end result is really positive for this person or other people. Like chaotic evil for good. I don't know if that's a thing, but I feel like it's your thing. Maybe I'm like so chaotic that I fluctuate between the different levels of chaos. Like it's it's a combination and just constantly weaving out between good, neutral, and evil. Maybe that's what's going on there. Maybe. All right, so I, I'm gonna burn the bridge. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it, I am not a big enough person to be assertive about this, to have explained this, to be like, yeah, I just realized that you've been flirting with me for a year and a half and I'm not interested. I'm really sorry. I'm just oblivious. I'm not big enough person to have that conversation. So I'm going to pull out my neurodivergent power of burnout. I'm going to get so overwhelmed by this situation. I'm going to black out from all communication, probably have to find a new job and never hopefully see them again. that That's what I'm going with. I really hope this works. Please don't let me run into you at the grocery store ever again. I don't want to have to move across country again. Burnout worked. Where to three? It's wonderful that luck and fate are on your side. Okay, let's see how this works out for me. I have succeeded. <laughs> yeah, I've succeeded. That sounds about right. I feel like that generally that works on that kind of thing would work on most people. Because if you're just constantly putting things off and putting things off and putting things off and forgetting to answer their text messages and things like that, mo most people will, at the very least, get bored enough to wander off and try something else. Or, as we discussed before, they'll hate me and that will give them good reason to detach from their feelings for me and seek out somebody else who treats them better than I did. And they'll appreciate that person even more because that person does treat them better than I did. Oh my gosh, that is, yes. Uh, yes, so we have definitely discovered you are very much chaotically evil, but possibly for good, like a Machiavellian chaotically evil. And I, I don't know, I feel like I'm still lawfully neutral. Do you feel like I've changed from that, Ivy, given what we've discovered today? No, not really. I, I, I feel like you pegged yourself pretty well. You figured out what you were. I have a lot to think about about myself, though, now, um, things to consider, because I really thought I was more neutral than I apparently am. I also thought that I was more good than I actually am. You know, I'm wondering if what happened is like that jaded part of me, because as a kid, I was really, really idealistic and just loved the concept of humanity and people. And I was just all idealism and no realism whatsoever. I did not have it, even an ounce of pragmatism in me. As an adult, I've become very cynical and jaded, but I don't actively want to hurt people. So if I have to hurt people, I would like to do it in such a way that it ultimately benefits them in the end but still does not require any more effort from me than is absolutely necessary. Maybe you are, maybe you are chaotically neutral after all. <laughs> it's, 
balancing the scales. <laughs> uh, but I do have hope to eventually be chaotically evil if I encounter fixers. So that room of sharks may not be too far off in my future. We can hope. We can hope. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed the game, like I said, we do have the printable version. It's available on our website, on our products page. And Ivy, if you want to throw them all our info so they can find that if they so choose and get in contact with us if they so want. Uh, you can find the game on our products page at www.differentfunctional.com. You can also reach out to us there or, you know, check out the website in general if you like. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as Different Functional. We are on Instagram and TikTok as Different underscore Functional. You could email us if you want to at differentfunctional at gmail.com. We are on Patreon as Different Functional, and we just did a restructuring. So now instead of having multiple levels, we have just one $5 tier. So if you want to go on over to Patreon and check out what we have to offer, become a patron, that would be sweet. If you don't want to do that, but you want to support us in other ways, you could totally like, subscribe, share, follow, do all that good stuff and tell people about us. Tell anybody you want to about us. In fact, use that maybe as a way to avoid conversations with people that you don't want to have conversations with. No matter what they say to you, just come back at them with something like, that reminds me of this thing on the Different Functional Podcast. You just keep bringing it back to that because then we get exposure and you probably will get out of that conversation. And maybe that person will be so annoyed with the idea of the podcast. They'll be like, what the hell is with this podcast? And then maybe we'll get some new listeners. So I think this works out well for everybody involved. I feel like this is more of that chaotically evil for good purposes. Again, I'm just, I'm just going to say that. But yeah, I'm fine with that. And again, we were birthed from the idea of how to stop those long talkers. Maybe it'll work. And if nothing else, you can always just put your earbuds in and just listen to us as well. That that may help. At least, and they may still be talking, but at least you don't have to listen to them anymore. By the way, we did mention that this episode came from a listener suggestion. And that listener, Tracy, was also the winner of our Grab a Bus Prize, uh, which the... Chaos in Me has forgotten to post any updates about that on our website. Uh, we will eventually do another Grandma Bus Prize. We have not gotten around to it yet. But we did appreciate Tracy's suggestion, and she definitely earned that Grandma Bus Prize that she got out of it. So thank you, Tracy, for your suggestion. We had a lot of fun doing this episode based on it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yes, thank you, Tracy. You are amazing. And thank you to all of our listeners. And we would love to hear from you. Episode topics, ideas, feedback, anything. Just give us a shout out, comment, email. I, I don't know how to read smoke signals, so I wouldn't suggest that. I mean, unless you're like Ivy and you're just going around burning bridges and the smoke naturally follows you. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> I'm just going to go around smelling like smoke and just leave a trail of it behind me wherever I go. I, I kind of dig it. All right. All right. So for today, we will wrap up. Thank you for listening. And as always, remember, different does not mean defective. <laughs> <laughs>